Hello, and welcome to Monday's Penny for April 4th, 2022. Uh, I was thinking today about an incident almost 11 years ago now, 10 and a half years ago or so. It was just after the World Series, and my St. Louis Cardinals had beat the Texas Rangers. Game six was maybe the greatest World Series game ever played in terms of drama and intensity. So the the David Freeze game for the baseball fans among you. And I remember the day after I had a um, state-level meeting with the organization that I was working for. And I knew it was going to be a contentious meeting. We had very poor leadership, and they were were trying to restructure in a way that was going to limit the voices of of rank-and-file people and really concentrate power in the the more executive types in a way that, that had not been before. And I knew it was going to be a contentious meeting, but hey, you got to be a little bit optimistic, hope for the best. So I showed up in my Cardinals jersey and I was ready to go and things turned out terribly. So I, I remember without getting into the weeds of it, I remember being there and uh, speaking out against what was going on, saying, no, th- this is this is not a good thing. All this is is a power grab. This is not for the good of our mission. This is for uh, the sake of reducing voices and making it easier for our um, our leaders in positional authority to do the things they want without having to consider anyone else. And for my efforts, I got a, a couple of stern talkings to, uh, talkings to from some of those executives and uh, was just blatantly told, look, you can say whatever you want, but we'll never let you do anything. Uh, basically, we're going to punish you if, you if you speak your mind. And they did. And uh, it was painful. I, I didn't enjoy it, but I couldn't live with the internal tension of not speaking out. It's one of the, the few things that I inherited from my father that I, I think is probably a, a good thing on balance, but it's not a comfortable thing to live with. I don't enjoy it. Well, after that day, I decided, okay, calling things out, speaking truth to power, it, it, it's received as negative. It doesn't work. I need to be relentlessly positive. I'm going to be relentlessly positive. That was my phrase. And it turns out I just could not pull it off. Uh, I tried, but it just was not in me to um, to ignore things that I saw that needed addressing. My wife Denise tells me that I'm cursed with the ability to see farther off than a lot of people, that I can see things on the horizon and where things are going that uh, are, are icebergs or roadblocks, whatever you want to call them, that other people don't want to deal with. Uh, I don't know if that's true or not. She thinks it is, but I'm a little too close to the situation to say since, well, I am the situation. But I do know that I value different things than a lot of the people around me. And I run into that in a very clear fashion over the years that I've spent here at Dakota Wesleyan. And, and this week had a a pretty discouraging, disheartening encounter with uh, one of the the big icebergs that we have, which is athletics. Now, I'm not going to get into the details because I I have friends involved here. I I don't want to throw anyone under the bus. But I will say that it's really made me consider the place of athletics in our lives. We have this mythology around them that say, 
Well, athletics teaches certain things to our kids. They're invaluable. We, we can't do without them because they're so good for a young person's development. And as someone who has observed that up close for years and years and years, I just don't see it. I, I think we've gotten things turned around. So this week's penny is perhaps not the um, fluffiest or funniest of the posts that I've written, but it does address something that I think, even though it should be a diversion, even though it should be a leisure activity, has become a, a god for many of us, and one that that is not loving in any way. So this week's entry uh, is thinking about that a little bit. You can do with it what you will, as always, but hopefully it sparks something and makes you reconsider some of the the, uh, ways that we are participating in um, sports right now, especially with our kids and young adults. Here's this week's Penny. Unlike other members of my family, I grew up loving sports. My obsession began with baseball, its magical symmetry, its mathematical rhythms, its easy cadence broadcast over radio. I ate it up, much to my parents' befuddlement. When baseball ended in the fall, I turned to football and basketball to pass the time. By happy coincidence, my late adolescence and college years coincided with a golden age for the teams at the only major university in my home state of Arkansas. My friends and I would go to games, chant Woo Pig Suey with the crowd, and more often than not come away with a Razorback victory. Once the NCAA tournament rolled around in March, we skipped class to watch the Hogs play. When they played in primetime, we held watch parties. Basketball was a thing around which we gathered, one of the many strands woven through our friendships. I miss those days, but I can never go back to them. On the one hand, I see why college athletics has such a draw for people. Alums remember their youthful glory, the more exciting and less complicated lives they lived once upon a time. For others, particularly in rural states, the college mascot is a marker of cultural identity. Around here, by God, we root for the Hogs, or the Jacks, or the Tide. So it goes. But life so far has had a way of moving me on from many simple enjoyments, including the NCAA men's tournament. A stint at a church in Little Rock put me in constant contact with people who hung their entire emotional well-being on the performance of 20-year-old college students. Seven years at a mid-major university across the state showed me how much tax money went into, quote, feeding the pig over in Fayetteville, often at the expense of other institutions. Rooting for a college team, it turns out, is not so simple after all. There's a moral component to it, one that doesn't always settle well. I thought moving to a small NAIA school would be better, given that the stakes are so much lower. We don't have millions of dollars in corporate sponsorships rolling in. None of our athletes will ever go pro. Since we know and live among the members of every team in very close quarters around here, we are not just cheering for a jersey. We are encouraging friends. At least, that's how I think it should be. The problem is that even in a place like Mitchell, sports now have such an outsized role in American life that they become not a thing among other things, but the one thing above all. Every youth pastor I talk to laments the frantic schedules their kids keep, 
the practices and travel and off-season leagues that leave no time for retreat or reflection or even the slow growth of deep friendships. At the university where I work, athletes are told that whatever their other interest may be, the team comes first. Failure to abide by that rule can result in verbal reprimands, lost playing time, and even corporal punishment disguised as extra conditioning. My coaching friends say I've got it wrong. Athletics, they argue, teaches commitment and discipline and leadership. It shows kids how to overcome adversity and work together toward a common goal. Maybe so, in some fictional Ted Lasso world. But I don't see it, not in reality. For every student who matures because of their sport, I see 20 with no capacity whatsoever to translate these so-called lessons from athletics into any other area of their lives. Assign a reflection paper that forbids the use of sports metaphors, and you will get back bumbling, incoherent writing, at least some of which complains about the parameter that you've set. Ask them to miss a film session to attend a campus ministry event, and they will look at you as though you just suggested they slap their grandmothers. No wonder, though. My students have grown up in an environment that pins their worth to sports. Athletic competition is a god in American culture, one with ultimate power and authority over the lives of its adherents. This god suffers no rivals. You don't negotiate. You simply obey. In his last year of Little League Baseball, one of my sons was benched for missing practices to attend church camp. He was 12. When I called the coach to ask what was up, he said, I just don't like the kid, okay? He wasn't with us. He's not a good teammate. As often happens, rejection turned out to be a gift. Zachary threw himself into band and became an all-state trumpet player. He plays with one of the best high school jazz ensembles in the Midwest. His musical mentors at DWU and Mitchell High treat his education as an end unto itself, not simply as a pathway to eligibility. They push him hard, but they encourage him to be a more well-rounded human, one with a variety of interests, friends, and connections. To them, he matters for more than what he can produce. Every kid deserves as much. I no longer watch March Madness, nor do I follow any other college or high school sport. I feel the loss of camaraderie, the lack of the tribe I used to belong to. I wish I could have part of it back, that I could unknow some of what I have learned. More than that, however, I wish I could undeify sports. As a contextualized activity, they could do a lot of good. As a god, however, they have done what all idols eventually do. They have become a tyrant that, like it or not, has turned the tables. This god doesn't serve us. We serve it. We even cheer as we sacrifice our own children upon that altar. So I say death to the sports ball god. We can and should do so much better. <laughs>